Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, February 17th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you, I appreciate you all tuning in to the show. I am Justin Klein, and I'm always glad to be here because I enjoy hearing your finance and investment questions and giving you straight, unbiased answers. I have no hidden agenda on today's show or any show, and I'm just trying to give you the facts as I see them. Now, most of your questions drive the direction of this podcast, and that's why we're here, is to serve you, our listeners, and our community that tunes in regularly to help help them understand what to look out for in the market, pros and cons, risks versus rewards, and distilling a lot of complex information into hopefully actionable items. And these are tools that you are going to need to help you build a more successful long-term investment strategy and financial future. Now, with that said, Steve and I have always told you that the market can be volatile. We know that we've seen that today. Today's another example of that where what happened? Growth fell out of bed, about 4% on the downside on average for growth stocks, whereas value uh, down about a percent, percent and a half or so on average. And this is a theme. We've been talking about this theme for a while, and we get another one of these days. You can always have counter trend rallies, but ultimately, it's uh, it's something you should get used to. This is not your market of 2020, 2021. This is a new regime. It's not even the market that you've seen over the last decade plus. It's a market where higher inflation, higher interest rates means weaker performance for high multiple stocks and better environment for those bread and butter businesses with real assets and real cash flows. And so my job is to help you navigate this time, especially for a lot of you. It's a time that you haven't experienced before. I've been in this for 20 plus years. So I've seen the first tech bust, boom and bust. And I've seen the value stocks crush it from about 2000, 2000, 2007. Value stocks did fantastic. Remember the commodities boom of the mid 2000s? 
A lot of people don't. A lot of people haven't been around that long. So that's why we're here to help you navigate this new market regime and help you make good decisions each and every day with your money. Now, of course, I want to answer your specific questions, and that means you should reach out to me with your finance or investment related questions at 888-99-CHART. And I'm going to operate this show with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success, which means that no matter what I'm speaking about, I'm here to present it all without bias, just giving you the facts as I see them in front of me and using my 20 plus years of investment experience. So reach out right now with your finance and investment questions at 888 chart during our live stream program, four to five Pacific time, or if you're listening after hours, no big deal, same number, 888 chart and we will answer your question on a future show. So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, this is Elizabeth in Florida. I was wondering if you could explain the difference between ordinary and qualified dividends and how I can tell which kind the company pays out. Thank you. I believe you're speaking about the same thing. Um, because qualified versus ordinary. I always thought ordinary were were qualified. Well, qualified is taxed at a, at a, at a better rate, uh, kind of like the long-term tax rate, 0, 15, or uh, 20%, depending on your income level. Uh, ordinary ordinary uh, dividends, I'm assuming that would be qualified as ordinary income, and that's going to be at your, at your personal tax rate. So, for example, REITs and master limited partnerships, those are the two that typically are most most often not paying in the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the qualified dividends, excuse me, not paying qualified dividends. They're paying ordinary dividends, tax rate, ordinary income tax rate. Now, they're a bit different, too, in their tax situation because you can actually hold a REIT which is not, which is a pass-through entity, which is not taxed. Uh, those dividends are not, not qualified. You can hold those into an IRA or a 401k and be just fine. So they're nice to hold in those type of uh, tax-deferred accounts. Whereas a limited partnership, if you get over $1,000 per year in those type of, uh, that type of income within a tax-deferred account, like a, a IRA or 401k, that becomes a bigger pain. You get K-1s, filing separate uh, tax returns, etc. It just, it mucks it up a little bit. Now you have to ask, is that worth it? Um, and then, you know, you're not really getting uh, that tax deferred uh, nature of those dividends in, in, in a type of uh, tax deferred account. So that's kind of the difference. And uh, you you have to be aware of that. If you especially if you're a dividend investor, a lot of people look at those juicy dividends from from a master limited partnerships from uh, from REITs, and they they think that that's the rate that they're getting. Well, tax adjusted, you're definitely getting a lower rate than you would from uh, a typical company paying quarterly paying qualified dividends tax at that lower rate. Let's go to John in North Carolina, looking at TROX. Hey, Justin. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this company. I know, uh, so this is a company in the material space. They make a pigment that's used in paint and other types of industrial applications. It does have um, sort of high debt, so it's long-term debt-to-equity ratios above one. And it is a small company, which I know is maybe not an area that is favorable. But it's in the material space. Um, 
their Ford P's in the six to eight range. They just reported earnings yesterday, and they, they did well and they guided to the six to eight Ford PE range. They have a good price to free cash flow. They just raised their dividend twenty five percent. So I I would love your opinion on whether it's a whole or a, a a pass or a rare and coveted Justin Klein thumbs up. <laughs> a rare and coveted. Yeah, I'm pretty tough. I'm pretty tough, especially in this market <laughs> where there's just a, a lot that's overvalued and a lot of companies that are over earning. And I think that's the the big question: is are they over earning, and will their their earnings come back down to to earth. And pre-pandemic, they were earning around 50 cents a share. They were losing money in 2017, 16, and 15. And this year, they're supposed to make almost $3 per share, $3.42 next year. Good thing is analysts are upgrading those earnings uh, estimates. So that's a positive. And if you look at their free cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $551 million on a $3.3 billion market cap, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So that's a nice free cash flow yield. But is that cash flow sustainable is really the big question. And they came out with earnings. And the big issue here is revenue growth slowed dramatically three quarters ago. Revenue growth was 60%. This last quarter, 13%. And earnings three quarters ago were up over 1,000% year over year. And now only up 179%. So you're seeing that growth decelerate. Now, technically, it... It's down on that earnings announcement, and the technicals are not favorable. Uh, it's definitely cons been consolidating here for the past month, looking, I think, to break lower. The MACD is looking poor, and it it's the market signal to me that this is going to re-rate lower on expectations that earnings are going to trend back to mean. Is that going to happen? I'd have to really dig into the business and really understand the dynamics. So obviously, I can't do that real quick here. Uh, but my, I would listen to the chart. Charts telling me that it is, uh, and that that's my main arbiter here. Where the future is so murky, there's so many companies that are over earning, and you've seen that here with a lot of the tech names that. Uh, they're struggling and then they announce earnings and that's why they're struggling. You see that the market was pricing that in. And so the market is starting to price in that the business is, is, is going to struggle and, and, and trend back to mean. So uh, I would pass on it. I would, I would, uh, I would, I would wait till the technicals can firm up and they're definitely looking weaker. Thanks for the call. Now, Steve and I are grateful for your podcast support and our free downloads will continue, but I want to make you aware of two other ways to find our material and unbiased guidance. One is Invest Talk has a YouTube channel as well as an Instagram following. So if you're, if we are building out more content on those platforms. So head over to YouTube and Instagram and search Invest Talk. Remember, use two T's and tell your friends. Now, the Invest Talk phone lines are open, so give me a call now at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike, and every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go talk to Taylor in Philadelphia looking at Skyworks Solutions. You own it or looking to buy it? Um, I own it. I've owned it for a couple years. I've heard you say recently on uh, your YouTube channel and on the show that you um, there's a little bit of downside in the, the microchip space to come. Um, I've enjoyed the ride with it. I've taken profits throughout. and it currently represents about a half a position, 2 2.5%. Two 
is this something that is worth sticking with or is it time to be all the way out? Well, if you're a long-term holder, you want to rely on the history of the business and the consistency of their profitability. And this is a very consistently strong, strongly profitable business. Return on equity over the last decade has averaged 25-ish percent. That's very strong. They have very little debt. They produce consistent, strong cash flows. They're buying back their shares over time, not, not fast, but you know, in a steady manner. So that's good. Their margins remain pretty healthy. And although they're, they're probably over earning, uh, the mark, market's already pushed them down 33% from the 52 week high. So it's not trading at an egregious multiple. Uh, the technicals are absolutely poor. Uh, I will give you that. That is uh, probably the one thing to, to worry about the most. But the fundamentals over the long term look fairly fine. Now, I don't think there's major, major support till about 120. And that's at 136. So, you know, another 10% down from here would be major, major support. Uh, and, and frankly, it would actually be a really nice level to, to probably pick up the stock. But uh, you know, you're, you're probably going to see some some near term pain, but I do think it's undervalued. It's trading at a, a reasonable multiple for the consistency of its profitability. I mean, enterprise value to EBITDA right now is 12. It's 10 looking forward. And if you look back, back on history, if I can pull that up here, sometimes my computer wants to be a little slow. Let's see. Yeah. So the average over the last five years is 12 and a half. And now it's at, at 12. So it's below average. Um, and it's still expected to grow its earnings 10% this year, 11% next year. So although you'll probably feel a little more pain in the, in the short term, it's one of those names that I wouldn't want to be selling down, uh, down 33%. I'm thinking more about buying the name, uh, because this is one of the better chip makers and most consistently profitable chip makers, uh, in the world. And I think there's still uh, room to run longer term, but Unfortunately, because of market trends and the trends of the stock, it does look like it does have some downside in the near term. Make sense, Taylor? Uh, yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much for the analysis. No problem. Thanks for the call. That was Skyworks Solutions, SWKS. Now, uh, that's a good reminder that there's different outlooks that you have for, for stocks. There's short, medium, longer term. Short term often has to do a lot with the trend in the stock uh, of, the, of the price, not the business, but the trend of the price. Uh, and then medium term is probably more the economic outlook over the next couple quarters. Is that going to be in their favor or not in their favor? But then long term, you want to rely more on the consistency of the business, the, the profitability of the business, the leadership of the business, and the, the products and services and how unique and strong their moat would be in Morningstar vernacular. Uh, it was what type of moats do they have around the business to insulate it from competition? Those are the things that you want to be looking at from a long-term perspective. Short and medium term, that's a different conversation. Now we're moving into a break and I'm here and I'm ready to answer your questions at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime listener line. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein will provide unbiased answers to your questions. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 
Let's go to North Carolina and talk with Gene. He wants to talk about ordinary dividends. Hey, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. You just had a question about that. Yep. I I think it probably came from a tax form, the 1099 DIV, mm-hmm. and there are the two boxes. One of them says total ordinary dividends, and that includes all dividends, including qualified. And box 1B is the part of it that's the qualified. Mm-hmm. So, so the ordinary includes all dividends, whether it's qualified or not. So it's a bigger number. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, it should be based on you're, you're going to get a statement from your broker, uh, and it should be stated on there uh, what dividends you received and whether they were qualified or or ordinary. So, um, yeah, and, and this goes back to a tax situation and how to file taxes, which obviously I'm not a CPA, um, but it's definitely important to to get that right uh, because the remember that your broker is reporting this to the IRS. And if you report it incorrectly, it doesn't match what their records see, then they're going to be sending you a letter. And Yeah, but, and the Right, and the qualified, I believe, is taxed at the same rate as capital long-term capital gains. So that's the, that's the tax advantage of it. Yeah, so. basically, basically, yeah, that that's how it works. And if you don't earn uh, enough money, and this is good for retirees that maybe uh, don't have a lot of income, uh, some of those qualified dividends are taxed at zero if you're below certain certain income levels. Uh, so that's, that's right. Nice, yeah. That's right. I think forty below AGI, I believe, under forty thousand for if you're a single filer, and probably more if you're filing um, married. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, thanks a lot. No problem. Thanks for the call, Gene. Eight eight ninety nine chart eight eight nine nine two four two seven eight. So I get through and ask your question in the next uh, about half hour left. Now my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline: Will the supply chain recover in twenty twenty two, and what does the, the data say, well, a couple of the large logistics logistics giants reported earnings over uh, just recently, Maersk and DSV. And the the biggest one, Maersk, believes that norm, there will be normalization of shipping market won't take place until the second half of this year. So even though you're starting to see things like shipping delays come down, uh, there's only been a modest decrease in shipping rates. And what's interesting is that these businesses, these shipping businesses, they're printing massive profits. For example, Merck's ocean business delivered a return on invested capital more than 45% last year. Their long-term average or long-term target at least is 7.5%. And the shipping industry as a whole generated more profit in the last year than the previous 10 years combined. So this is a good example of how when you're looking at these shipping companies, you need to understand their longer term business profitability and what's happening in the near term, where a ton of them are making a lot of money now. And that may continue for a period of time. But that's a lot of the reason why they're, sh- they're trading at such low multiple multiples, because the market is not expecting them to make this level of profits anywhere close to this level of profits over the long term. So you might see them trading at six, seven, eight times earnings. It's because the market is saying they're only going to make this profit for the next year or two. And then it's going to start to trend back to longer term averages. And that's probably true. But if the level of profitability 
just stays in the general range for maybe a year longer, then it can be a bargain because all that cash flow, all that earnings can go back into maybe buying back stock, paying a dividend, etc. So that's where you have to understand that sometimes in the short term, it can be a fantastic stock to own, but not a type of company that you want to stick around with for the next five, 10 years, because at some point that's going to return to its, its average uh, average multiple, average earnings, and uh, uh, the big tell will be technicals. When the technicals weaken enough, uh, there'll be a signal that the market is starting to price in a, a strong return to pre-pandemic type of business uh, situation. Now, what's interesting about Maersk and their earnings announcement, they expect 70% of volume this year to be con contracted or shipped under long-term contracts. That's up for less than half pre-pandemic. And they're locked in at relatively high freight rates. And what that means for inflation is that inflation will probably become more embedded because the producers of these goods that are being shipped are going to pass those higher shipping rates on to consumers for a longer period of time. And so while the situation is likely to improve in the second half of this year, I think the, the pass through of that cost is going to last for a number of years going forward. And that's something the Fed is not going to be able to really do much about. If these companies are contracted with these shipping companies at very high rates. The, the Fed raising rates, doing whatever they do, can't impact that at all. And so that's an interesting dynamic that's happening here in the market. Uh, and another reason why inflation, although likely to, uh, not to sustain around 7% that we're at now, will be above average for an extended period of time. Now, on the next Invest Talk, the story, the five surefire signs of a stock market bubble. But for now, I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members? or friends from a different culture. I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so... Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. 
At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now let's check in on the market today with the S&P down about 95 points and the NASDAQ that, so the SP was down about two and a quarter percent. The NASDAQ, that was down 400 points. Uh, that's over 3% move there. And really, this is on the back of more poor earnings out of the likes of, let's see, who are the big losers? Palantir was down big today. Fastly, um, Albermerrill, which is on the, on, on the electric car, uh, in the electric car market and, uh, or sorry, in the electric car, in the uh, lithium, lithium market. That disappointed Trupanion, a uh, pet insurance company that loses money and they had poor earnings. So it was just really a bloodbath across the board for tech stocks, for growth stocks once again. And the market continues in this choppy pattern. And you're seeing a, a, a breakdown in growth versus value once again, if you look at the IWF versus the IWV, which is uh, IWF is Russell 2000 growth versus Russell 2000 value, that's having uh, a breakdown here. ARC funds almost back to the, the lows that you saw in late January. That's another one that, that took it on the chin. And what was interesting today was gold broke out and that was on the uh, back of lower yields. And I've been saying this for about a couple weeks now, three weeks, that I think we're near peak pricing in of Fed hawkishness. I don't think they'll get, I think the market was pricing in something like six or seven rate hikes by the end of the year. I just don't see that. I just don't see that uh, being something the Fed is likely to do. They don't tend to act that fast. Look what they're doing now. They're still printing money. They're still doing QE, even though they're going to end it by the end of March. That's another six weeks, roughly, of QE. 
And that's another reason why I don't think the market's really going to break down. Um, but what you're seeing is that with the yields curves, in some instances, instances uh, inverting, but most of them are just flattening. It, it's that's a growth scare, uh, and that the market is finally reacting and saying, "Hey, Fed, you've gone too far. The next pivot is actually." Dove, more dovish. The Fed is not going to get more hawkish from here. And does that mean there can't be more downside of the market? No, that, that there certainly could be. Uh, but what's interesting is even though we had a bloodbath today, we're not at the lows of the week. The S&P did not break the lows from Monday. Neither did the NASDAQ. Neither did any of the major, uh, major sectors. The one major sector that actually did, that was actually financials. And if if yields peaked, financials are probably going to struggle. I know I've talking about um, regional banks lately, but now that that is, we're maybe at the peak of earning, a peak of uh, of yields. You're going to see these regional banks probably struggle a bit, and so don't get too caught up into the banking sector. It's still not my favorite sector. It's probably in the middle of my favorite sectors. Uh, still like industrials. Uh, energy, basic materials, REITs, actually like REITs, especially if rates are going to come down, it's going to help the REIT sector. So uh, that's what I'm seeing here in the market. I still don't think we get a major breakdown, but anything's possible, especially with so many overpriced stocks repricing lower. Now, when people take the time to leave an Invest Talk podcast review on iTunes, we have to thank them for their courtesy by getting to their questions quickly. JNSC says, wondering if you would take a look at ticker COLD, COLD. It's a REIT that specializes in gold storage here in the United States. I know rising interest rates affect REITs, but I was thinking it could be a play once supply chain issues are sorted out and manufacturers have to rely more on Americold services. Well, the chart on Americold is absolutely terrible. And even though it looks like it hit support and bounced over the past month or so, it's doing so uh, in a not very strong manner, let's just say that. So the issue with Americold is their business is in decline. Earnings, uh, while, while revenue was up 42% last quarter, earnings were down 10%. Revenues the quarter before up 36%. Earnings were down 7%. And, er, and, and 2021 for the full year, once uh, the earnings are announced, are expected to be down 12% from... 2020. And even this year, analysts are only expecting a 3% increase in their their funds from operation. Remember, REITs are, uh, REITs are quoted in not earnings per share, but funds from operation. And analysts are downgrading their expected funds from operation this year and, uh, and for the fourth quarter of last year. So the analyst trends aren't good, the stock trends aren't good, and the profitability trends aren't good, and it's still trading at 23 times funds for operation. That's too expensive. So I'm absolutely passing on Americold, C-O-L-D. Now this is Invest Talk, and your calls and questions keep coming in, and we love it. And in fact, we just posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour podcast. I answered 23, 23 caller questions at a faster pace. And you can hear it now for free 
at investtalk.com, or you can download and listen anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Now let's swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for this question. Hello, Justin and Steve. I appreciate all the work that you do for us listeners, and so I hopefully can give you something back in the form of a book recommendation. I know you guys are into that, so a book that I've read recently on you know maintaining what you call financial freedom. Uh, one particular man's opinion, Morgan Husel, The Psychology of Money. I think it's a really great read for uh, your listeners. Also, based on what he advises ultimately in the book is investing in retirement through index funds. So I was just wondering if my strategy through my 403B and the teacher's retirement fund is valid if I do like 30% each in three Vanguard index funds and just keep pumping into those over the years. It's a good long-term strategy. Thank you for your advice. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Well, it depends on what Vanguard index funds you're talking about. You're talking about bond index funds, stock index funds, commodity index funds. I, I, I'm not sure what you're what you're talking about. Remember, funds are, are are just a collection of assets, and indexing is just a, a method of allocating towards well, allocating those assets. But there's different asset classes, and Vanguard has many different asset classes. Now, indexing itself is, and I'll get to uh, kind of the issues with it, uh, and this is a good call for my next talk, my next next talking point. But indexing itself is there's still management behind it. The indexes themselves, owned by companies, the S and P, for example, they're making changes on a regular basis, and they're deciding what's in and what's out. So, and there's no. There's no trying to figure out whether that's over allocating to a sector that might not be very good. Like right now, if you own the S&P, you're overweight growth and, and tech and, and all those areas are struggling. And that's why you see the S&P struggle, especially compared to value names, compared to uh, industrials and, and, and energy and, and, and financials. Uh, because frankly, those stocks are not nearly as, under, as, as overvalued. Many of them are very undervalued. Now, that's... With that said, indexing can be fine. If you don't want to do a lot of work, you just want exposure to equities. Sometimes it's not going to be the best exposure, but sometimes it will. Uh, and it's low fee, like you said, Vanguard's very low fee. But is that going to give you the best result? Probably not, but it's also the least work. And people these days, they don't like to do the work. So if you don't want to do the work, it's fine. Now, what I always say, though, is you want to, if you can roll that out into an IRA, 403B, a 401k, for five, uh, 529, whatever it is, you want to roll that into an IRA if you can. Okay. And then you'll have more options, a lot more options. And I would go about it that way if you can, but if you're stuck with your employer, you can't move it out. Uh, indexing is fine, but that asset allocation, the overall asset allocation will be your main goal of what mix do you want to take? How much risk do you want to take? If you need help with that, reach out to me more directly. Now let's pivot to index funds. And this is from a quote from Charlie Munger. And what's interesting here, uh, for everyone else, if you don't know who Charlie Munger is, he is Warren Buffett's business partner. He is the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. And he said the rise of index funds has resulted in an enormous transfer of power to sway corporate decision making. And he thinks that will change the world, but not for the better. 
And he says, quote, we have a new bunch of emperors, and they're the people who vote the shares in the index funds. I think the world of Larry Fink, but I'm not sure I want him to be my emperor. And what he's speaking about is Larry Fink, the uh, CEO of BlackRock. And BlackRock is the largest holder of assets in index funds in the world. And they've already started to wield their power. Mr. Fink is a big advocate of what he calls stakeholder capitalism, where it's not about the shareholder, but maximizing value for society as a whole. And that's part of ESG mandate. Unfortunately, it's been focused more on E and less on G governance. And I think that would go a long way in changing the dynamics of our markets and our economy if the governance was less about CEOs trying to make a ton of money through stock options and buying back stock, etc. Let's focus on that more on the E, which is kind of creating an energy crisis. And it's really up to these index funds and index fund providers. And they're the ones that are able to put pressure on think of ExxonMobil to shift their policy of their business away from fossil fuels and into greener energy, which you can be all for that. But that's not solving probably the biggest ill uh, in the economy, which is a dispersion of wealth. And that's kind of what he's speaking to is that the way that these index funds vote on corporate boards can have a massive impact on society and on economies. And so you're putting the fate of these businesses in the hands of these few managerial classes of the black rocks of the world that administer these index funds. And BlackRock reported more than $10 trillion at the end of the fourth quarter in asset center management. And two thirds of that, to call it almost $7 trillion, are in index funds alone. And so very interesting to, that he brought it up, that Charlie Munger brought this up. And I think it's very, very important for everyone to understand because this is having a giant impact on our society and economies. Now, February is now a little more than half over and the new year is moving along. And today is a perfect example of how you need to keep up with the markets, the economy, the trends. Because if you are sitting in an index fund, if you are uh, chasing the, the best performers from last year or the last couple of years, if you're replicating a strategy that was successful over the last decade and a half, you're probably not doing very well. Why? Because we're in a new market regime. So if you need help understanding the risk that you're taking, how your portfolio is set up, and whether it's set up to succeed in this environment, I encourage you to reach out to myself or Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial, and take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. You can send us a message to investtalk.com or call our KPP Financial Office at Irvine, Cal in Irvine California, 800-557-5461. Love to help you in any way. Next up, we'll go back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank. And remember, the phone lines never close at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. 
I'm interested in a stock CRISPR therapeutics. So that's C for Charlie, R for Romeo, S for Sierra, P for Peter, CRSP. They seem to have launched uh, recently done some tests on a drug for diabetes. And I just wondered what an ideal entry price for this stock would be. Thanks very much. Bye. All right. This is CRISPR Therapeutics, Switzerland-based developer of gene-based medicines for serious diseases. And uh, it's very interesting technology. Unfortunately, it is a business that just bleeds capital. And there's a lot of biotech companies like that. And it's a very interesting technology. But right now, this is not an environment where you want to be investing in companies like this. And if you look at the chart, you will see why. I mean, this is powered all the way from uh, a high in January of last year, where a lot of these these uh, these tech stocks and, and high multiple growth stocks peaked out. It was at $220 a share. Now it's at 58 58 down what percentage is that 65% from the 52 week high. These things tend to go down boom and bust in a big way. And when they bust, they go down 80, 90%. And this type of name that's supposed to lose $7.84 this year, $6.84 next year, uh, it's it's going to go a lot lower, uh, likely down to into the 20s, probably the teens, maybe even the single digits. So in the single digits, maybe, um, but all they're going to do is issue more and more shares. That's all they do. They, and when the stock goes down, guess what? They have to issue more shares to sustain their business, which is negative cash flow. And you're going to get more and more diluted. So while it's interesting technology, it's a horrible business. And I would not touch it with anyone's money. If you're looking for an entry point, I would say now to short it. I think it's a fantastic short right now. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So if you're going to call, you want to do that right now. Get your questions in at 888 chart This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Hey guys, this is Henry from New Jersey. Trying to add some exposure to natural gas sector. I found this company, Aquatrans Midstream Corp. E-T-R-N. Seems the stock has taken a hit uh, in the last month or so and wondering if it's a good opportunity to buy a strong position in this company. It also pays a strong dividend and uh, would love to know your opinion and your analysis on this company. Thanks a lot for that, for all that you do. Cheers. All right, looking at Equitron's Midstream Corp, E-T-R-N is a symbol. And this is a company that provides gathering, transmission, and water services primarily to the Appalachian producers in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Ohio. So it supports the uh, one of the largest natural gas fields in the world in Western Pennsylvania. And this is where a lot of our natural gas comes from. And so that's a good thing uh, that there's uh, a lot of consistent production out of that region. But the issue here, it looks like they've had a setback with one of their Mountain Valley 
pipelines and when it comes to uh, their appealing rulings and whether it's going to finally get approved uh, with the Bureau of uh, Land Management and um, U.S. Forest Service, and they're having environmental impacts uh, and issues. And this is probably one of my biggest worries with especially pipeline companies because there's so it takes a lot to get a pipeline uh, installed and, and, and opened because it's spanning miles. And you have one issue with one part of the, that pipeline, it can shut off the rest of it. And I worry here that there may be there may be longer term issues. They never get this approved. And there's a lot of uh, CapEx that's been wasted and, and shareholder capitals that's been wasted. Now, if you had a belief that that pipeline might uh, might actually go through, then it's probably a bargain. And that's why the stock's fallen recently is because of that that appeal, uh, losing that appeal. And that was back on the 22nd of January. And it hasn't recovered. So, and then if you look at the expected earnings for this year, expected to be 75 cents, which is up 34%, but 2021 expected to be down 57% from 2020's earnings. So it's just too all over the place. I don't like the consistency. I think there's better opportunities in the pipeline business. And that's why I would pass on this. Thanks for the call. That was ETRN. Remember, there's regulatory issues are one risk that you always have to account for. Now, lastly, let's touch on a Ponzi scheme. And this was uh, on Monday, an actor by the name of Zachary Horowitz. He's a 35-year-old actor out of L.A., he built investors of $650 million and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. And what he pitched was that he was acquiring film rights to various types of films to sell to Netflix's HBO's of the world streaming platforms. And instead of buying those rights, he used the money to purchase a $6 million home, luxury cars, travel on private jets, as well as pay back earlier investors. And he started this 2014. And for five years, he raised millions of dollars from 250 different individuals. And what he was doing, he was guaranteeing 25 to 45%. Remember, anytime you hear guarantee and above money market risk or, or rates, uh, CD rates, be skeptical, be skeptical because in order to take, in order to get above average yields, you're going to take, need to take risk of some kind. Now, sometimes that's smart risk. Sometimes that's dumb risk. And obviously the investors here were not understanding what they're investing in, not doing their due diligence. And anytime you're guaranteeing guarantee 25 to 45% returns, that's you should run, especially in this in-straight environment. Because nobody nobody gets that. And it looks like that he sent fake emails, text message, uh, matches involving HBO and Netflix employees. So he, he used these uh, fake emails and text messages to convince these investors that this was actually happening. 
And so don't always believe everything you see and always be skeptical when it sounds too good to be true because 99.9% .9 of the time it is. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads, which you can get anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and re review on iTunes as well and leave your question, and we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461.